0: My brothers and sisters, welcome again to another episode of Father Sean's Podcast. Starring your host, your star, your only person on this podcast, Father Sean, hope all is grand for you on this day. Whatever day it is you're listening to it, I realize that people really kind of go back into the archives and look stuff up, so this could be, uh, you could be listening to this Years from now, who knows? I do not know. (laughs) Just for a fun fact, today is March the 27th of 2021. So, hello to my future people. Um, if this is helpful for you, you know, we've been commenting on Genesis here, you know, please please do share this with folks. I, I really believe, you know, the beginning of Scripture here really gives us such wonderful, wonderful, wonderful insight into humanity, into sin, into our created goodness, into our, our orientation towards God, into our simple vocation of being a man and woman. So... I, I hope that you can really maybe share this with someone who you think could benefit from it. Uh, I think it could, even some someone who's not Catholic could say like, hey, wow, you know, those Catholics are pretty reasonable. And even if they're not Christian, I think people could say like, geez, you know what, that's kind of really a different way of looking at it. I hope this is going to be the case. I hope that this is fruitful for you. The up uh, The previous episodes we have I think I've done 5 now the previous 5 episodes I've looked at the first 3 chapters of Romans and excuse me not Romans of Genesis and these are fundamental because they talk about the creation and the fall the rise of humanity and the fall of humanity and the starting on this this long return to God but much more the story of the Bible is not just on our return the focus of the story is really on God's continual pursuit of humanity and God's continual desire and focus on lifting humanity back to himself, restoring humanity to himself. That's the, that's the biblical narrative, if you will. Now, Today I'm going to do a little bit of an appendix. It's not going to be so much of a commentary on Genesis. It's more kind of like a well. Here's some questions that people probably do have, and I really want to to really respect that, to really give that honor, and to uh, to reverence those questions that people think about. You know, when we have questions about the faith, you know, it's super important to ask that. It's super important to pursue the those answers because there are some excellent answers out there. Not to say everything is going to be you know shiny crystal clear but at the same hand it can be very profound so if you are a person who has questions, ask those questions hunt down answers ask people look something up you know the catechism is an easy is an easy resource or just going to Catholic.com you know they're at Catholic Answers. they got all kinds of good stuff. Um, but ask someone if you 're someone who has spiritual care for other people, maybe you 're a youth minister, maybe you 're a parent, maybe you 're whoever you are, I think we really have to be encouraging our young people today to ask ask those difficult questions, ask those questions that you know no one really wants to talk about because the truth is, I think people do want to talk about it and to share the wisdom of the saints or even more importantly, the wisdom of Scripture uh, that God has shared to us directly, that can be a wonderful aid to a person's faith. I remember as a kid, just a quick little side note here, I remember as a kid, I had a lot of questions, and praise God, like my parents kept a catechism on our bookshelf. And I remember just flipping through it, just flipping through it, just trying to really kind of figure out some of these things uh, about salvation. What does salvation mean? Uh, What is sin? I remember also kind of having these questions about, You know, why do Catholics believe this when my Protestant friends don't? And so I had this sheet. It was an apologetics cheat sheet. So it had like a theme, and then it had a list of biblical verses underneath that that would support that theme and talk about that theme and give guidance to people with questions regarding that theme. And I, I, I remember spending a lot of time on that. That was very fruitful. So if anyone's got people out there, you know, just Google up an apologetics, Catholic apologetics cheat sheet. And give that to them, because that can be really huge. There's a lot of them out there. Today, this appendix will talk about two different things. The first I'll talk about is original sin. And the second that I'll talk about is the problem of evil, because sin is an evil. And uh, why do we have to have evil? You know, that's a real big question. That's a real good question. But first, let's talk about original sin. Original sin. So original sin is the result of Adam and Eve's fault. They committed the first original sin, or not the first, there's only one original sin. They committed the original sin, but we have inherited through our generation as human beings, through our fleshly generation, this original sin, which maybe should be called original sinfulness. Original sinfulness. But it simply means that we are not born into proper relationship with God; that we, like Adam and Eve, have have this relationship of, of a lack of harmony with God. And it's not through our guilt, you know. God does not condemn us for this, um, but at the same hand, we need salvation because we do not have, through our birth, right relationship. We suffer the consequences of our sin only once we commit those sins, so probably around the years of five, six, or seven years old, something like that. But, but still, there's this question of, why do I have this situation? Why am I not right with God from the beginning? So let's look at um, St. Paul, because he gives very clear guidance on this and the reality of how universal this bondage to sin really is. He says that all are under the domination of sin. This is coming from chapter 3. There's no one just, no one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have gone astray. There's not one who does good. There's not even one, etc., etc., etc. Now I'll jump to chapter 5 because he talks a little bit more there. Humanity's sin through Adam here. Therefore, just as through one person sin entered the world, and through sin death, and thus death came to all, inasmuch as all sinned. For up to the time of the law, sin was in the world. Through those sin is not accounted when there is no law. So, so he says, just as all sinned in Adam, he also says, well, in a similar way, all have been restored in Jesus Christ. So this is kind of the flip side of original sin. Uh, we are mystically united in Adam and his fall, and we are also mystically united in Jesus through our humanity, in his resurrection, and his restoration. To give a little flavor to this, I'm going to use an example. It's a little bit of a harsh example. Not harsh, but a sensitive, yeah, maybe that's the best word, sensitive. It, it can be hard for some people to listen to, but I think it is very, very helpful, very, very helpful so think of a woman who has a child, just gave birth to a child, but this woman is addicted to drugs. When this baby is born, this baby will be addicted to drugs. Now this woman will have had her decision at least some point in her life, maybe the addiction will have thrown off her ability or her free will to, to make real decisions, but at some point she would have made the decision to try a drug. But this baby did not make a decision, ever, 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 ever. And and he will suffer that consequence. Um, Just not because of something that he did, but something that his mother had done and put him into that circumstance. It's a similar situation for us. Adam and Eve committed that sin, and we are just simply born into this situation of being addicted to sin. Now, there is a cure for our original sin. Baptism. Baptism comes in, and it cuts that addiction to sin, and we are able to live in a real relationship with God. And we are put, even as infants when we're baptized, we're put into right relationship with God. And it's a similar thing also for that poor addicted child. You know, there's some drugs, it depends exactly on what the addiction is, but there are some drugs that can come in and cut that addiction, or at least relieve the the child of the, the harmful effects of that Now, also, after baptism, that child will still suffer the effects of original sin, the results of original sin. And these are four primary ones. The mind will be darkened. We're not able to see the truth like we would like. The will will be weakened. You know, we might see the good to do, but we're just like, well, it's hard. I can't do it. Our wills get weak. Our desires Are fallen Now we kind of have all these desires. No longer do I want a moderate bowl of ice cream, but I want the whole bucket. I want it all. (laughs) I love ice cream, by the way. And then fourthly, that there is a malice that has been introduced into the human heart. Very sad. And then also, I guess I should say, it's not quite the disorder within, like these four consequences are, but it's still a consequence of original sin, Death entered into the world. Death is a cause, is a result of sin. Sin causes death. Sin causes death. There's no way around it. It was not part of God's original plan. God does not want death. So in a similar way with that child, you know, that child, you know, he might have that addiction cut, but already in his pivotal developmental days and months in the womb there, he has been navigating this chemical, this foreign harmful chemical, and he will likely carry defects into the future, into his his youth and adulthood, and probably till his old age. And he will carry those defects around. A very, very sad, very, very sorrowful thing. And also, we should look at ourselves and say, "Man, this is a sorrowful situation." Now, the flip side of original sin, as, as much as it says, you know, all. Are born outside of a relationship with sin, and we choose to walk in that, or excuse me, we choose to walk away from God once we start to sin and make those consequences, make those decisions ourselves. Well, it's in a similar situation where we can put it in reverse. You know, the reverse of original sin is the proclamation that everyone needs Jesus Christ, everyone is called to to be one with Him. And in fact, there is the necessity that everyone must receive salvation through Jesus Christ. You know, with original sin, the doors of heaven were shut. There's no access there. Even if the people were righteous in the Old Testament, they did not enter into heaven. They did not enter into heaven. And instead, there was this shadow world that scripture talks about. But it's only with Jesus Christ that the doors of hope of heaven are opened, and the just of older ages could walk through but as well as those who who cling to Jesus in the newer age, after Jesus Christ. We are able to enter into heaven through Jesus Christ by clinging to him. He is the door to heaven, and we need that. You know, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Hindu, if you're an atheist, if you're an agnostic, if you're a Baptist, if you're a Catholic, if you're a priest, if you're the Pope, All of us need Jesus Christ. He is the universal Savior. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. And if we try to pursue salvation outside of Jesus, we will be woefully disappointed. So this is the teaching on original sin, kind of in a nutshell there. And this is kind of the background behind that. It's really just saying... Without Jesus, there's no salvation. And with Jesus, there is all salvation. And it's so easy to follow Jesus. Just give yourself to him. Follow him. Ask him for the grace. You know, it's it's not always easy, but it's simple. But and to the degree that it's hard, we just need to ask God for salvation. And he has such a great plan for our salvation that he will not deny anyone who asks of that with perseverance he will come to their rescue and i can guarantee that the church guarantees that because god guarantees that ask and you shall receive seek and you shall find a knock and the door shall be open to you so that's a bit on original sin now i will pivot to this question of evil why the heck does there have to be evil in the world? We had all this harmony at the beginning. The Garden of Eve was uh, Garden of Eden was pure paradise. How did we lose that? What was going on? You know, how in the world could God allow this to happen? Uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas talks about the uh, about the problem of evil as being the greatest of problems. You know, it is the greatest and the most reasonable excuse not to believe in God. Because evil's real, evil's it's tough. It's it's hard to wrap our mind around it and still believe in God. So let's talk about the problem itself. You know, it's easy to say, "Geez, it's evil. How can there be a God?" But let's really put some language around that. If God is all knowing, and God is all good, and God is all powerful, then how can we say that evil exists? Let's say that he is all good and he's all powerful. Well, if if he allows evil, then maybe he just doesn't know about the evil happening. Or people would say that, okay, so he does know about the evil happening and he's all good, but maybe it's simply has all powerfulness that is lacking because if you knew about evil and if you were all good, you would put an end to it. Maybe he's just not able to. Maybe he's just... Not such a powerful God after all. Or you could say that God knows the evil's happening. God is all-powerful. He could stop it if he wanted to, but maybe he's not all good. Maybe he He desires this evil. Maybe he's even giving us this evil. Maybe Maybe he's not giving it to us. Maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe we're just come some little miscellaneous world among a bazillion worlds out there and that's just kind of out there that he kind of ignores. Maybe he's just not such a good God. So all these are questions that pro- provoke the question of evil. That provoke the question of evil, and it's and it's really a challenge. Um, I'm going to talk about Augustine and then Aquinas. Uh, Saint Augustine talks about evil and its very nature as a privation. That is to say, it's it's an emptiness. It's a nothingness. You know, it's not to say that I'm holding evil in my hands. Rather, if I'm not holding, it's kind of like um, you're either rich or you're poor. You're either good or you're evil. And if it's there's this evilness there, it's just the lack of goodness. It's kind of like a, a donut, you know? There's a donut. But there's an evil in the donut if the middle is empty because I wanted to eat that. So... This is kind of what we're talking about: evil as a privation. That there's a gap, there's a lack, there's an emptiness, there's a hole in where there should be something that is good. It's kind of like also if if there's a pizza, you know, you were you save some pizza, you had some pizza. Maybe you live with a roommate or something like that, or someone else in your family, or maybe you know in a rectory where there's two priests there, one. You once decides that he's going to save some pizza for the next day. He's got his box of pizza. He's got a half of it still there. He's like, all right, this is good. And he comes back the next day, and <gasps> it's an empty box. This is an evil. This is an evil thing because there is a privation of pizza. <laughs> he stole my pizza. Ah! So this is what we're talking about is evil as a privation. Evil as a privation. And sin is considered a privation of our free will. It's kind of a, a lack of of using free will well. <clears throat> so when we sin, we simply have a lack of choosing of good. We fail to choose good and have chosen something else. He talks about providence, and I hinted about this at the end of the previous episode, or I didn't hint about it. I, I gave that quote from St. Augustine himself here, that God could have chosen A world where there was no evil, but instead his providence foresaw, and that's exactly what the word providence means, it means seeing, uh, from the Latin word videre, and pro, which means for, outward, you know, it's, it's looking outward into the future. And God provides for that. He sees, well, you know, if this world does end up with some evil, I'm going to be able to do a greater good. I'm going to bring it to a greater restoration. We can think of the beginning of Tolkien's world of, of Middle Earth, maybe pre-Middle Earth. I don't know exactly all the, the details of Lord of the Rings. But in this creation account of of this, there is this God-like being. He would probably hate me using the word God here, or even the word angel here, but there was this God-like being, and there were these angel-like beings, and the angel-like beings, some of them fell from grace, from this God-like being, and they decided they were going to wreak havoc. So God decided that he would create the world out of music, and so the good angels are, are doing their song, music, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and as and as... They do their music, God is creating. God brings forth creation. But the evil angels are like, we're going to introduce discord into it. And even though they do that, God, who is conducting this this magnificent concert, he simply adapts the music right on cue in accordance with taking this discord into account and twisting it into something that is good. So he takes this discord and he makes it even uh, this evil, this lack, this privation of harmony and, and beauty, and he uses that to adapt all these other things around it so that it becomes even more beautiful. So this is kind of what we mean by providence, where God allows evil so that he can bring about a greater good, a more impressive good. And then Augustine says that, you know, sometimes evil... That we see in the world, that we experience, it's just God letting us have our punishment that is due. It's like, okay, <laughs> all sin has its consequences. All sin has its consequences. We, we can't forget that. That's kind of how it goes. Aquinas, you know, he is very much a man who draws on tradition. He will kind of reiterate all those points, I believe. Uh, he will say that God allows our our sinfulness he allows us to sin kind of this freely chosen evil because this is what having a free will means if someone is to be really free they must be free to do good it's a freedom for the good but it also means it's a it's a freedom that 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 can do evil at the same hand he points to pain and suffering as as a reparation as a way of healing uh, I don't, I think, I mean, it's, I hope everyone has had the experience of having a really rough time, having a bumpy, bumpy road, but at the same hand, kind of coming out the backside and being better off for it. I mean, like, you know what? That was a really hard test there maybe. <laughs> and I really had to study hard and it was just not fun. And, but I came out a better man. I, I got more virtues from it or I lost a job. I lost a family member, but through the midst of that, God revealed to me that He's always with me. He's caring for me, whatever it is. So, this pain and suffering can be used as a reparation, a healing of us to make us better. He also notes a number of things about just the natural world where, you know, the reality of diversity among creatures means that there's going to be some clashes. You know, just simple for just for example, among plants, there's going to be different kinds of plants out there, but some are going to be more. Uh, aggressive in how they survive and so when for example when an alien plant is introduced into a a new country well that alien plant might just take over everything and really dominate Um, another example would be god created a bunch of animals and some of those animals were tigers and some of those animals were were uh uh deer and deer get ed up by tigers and so you, we have this natural diversity, but there's this natural clash within this. So you know, I'm not saying that this kind of ties up this question of of evil and saying, well, behold, there is an answer, and it's all reasonable, it's all good. Uh, instead, I'm um, I'm saying that there is a way to talk about evil, there is a way to to understand it, to put words around it, to to try to grasp and uh, bring some reason to the discussion but it might not always be sufficient to someone's intellect ultimately it's a question of faith does a person really believe that god cares for them loves them is good is all powerful is all knowing or is there some lack there and i propose to you that god is all knowing all good all powerful that he does realize that there's evil in the world there's no doubt about it but at the same hand he is caring for the world in ways that we cannot imagine, that we cannot see. And we might not ever be able to see here in this world, here on this earth, until the day of the final revelation where we will be able to see God's magnificent providence for, for, for the world. This is what I propose to you. I invite you to faith. I invite you to deeper trust in God who is all good and in his son who came into the world to heal us from sin and evil and bring us into salvation. Thank you again for tuning in to Father Sean's podcast. And we will pick up next time as we continue to comment on Genesis with uh, Cain and Abel. and We might move towards Noah. I'm not sure exactly how far we'll cover. May God bless you. Look forward to the next time when we gather again. Peace to y'all. Bye.